Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast from Taylor's Media. This is episode 33 and I'm your host, Andy Davis. Yes, I'm back from my holidays. Thank God this is audio as I'm the colour of ketchup. The lockdown loft was all sealed up for the two weeks of the heat wave, so opening it up was, ironically, like climbing inside a Cornish pasty straight out of the oven. We've got a really, really interesting episode for you this week as we look at the art of body language. Now, good retailers, designers and salespeople know how to read their clients, but lockdown and social distancing has changed how everyone is behaving. How do you read faces when they're covered in a mask? And how do you apply all your one-on-one experience to Zoom meetings when you're used to sitting with someone in a showroom? We've got an absolutely fascinating discussion with business body language expert Carol Rainton. She's recognised as one of the leaders in the field in the UK and internationally, so we're really, really lucky to have her on. I also want to remind you that the best way to listen to this show is by subscribing in a podcast app such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. That way you can see all the previous episodes and subscribe to get notified when new ones go live. Just search KBB Review, all one word. First... The Tailless Media Shameless Plug is back and it's an update on the Save Our Skills campaign and we're going from strength to strength. We're now running free job ads on kbbreview.com for the whole KBB sector, not just retailers anymore. So there's loads of great vacancies on there. And of course, we're running the Save Our Skills mailers every Monday. So if you've recently been made redundant from a KBB role, then go to kbbreview.com forward slash Save Our Skills and you'll find all the info there to send us your details. That's also the address to see all of our candidates so far, and we've had some great success stories too, so it does really work, which is fantastic. That's kbbreview.com forward slash save our skills for the candidates, and kbbreview.com forward slash jobs to see all our vacancies. Okay, social distancing and now face coverings in retail environments, and of course all the Zoom chats that everyone's been having uh, has perhaps challenged some of the conventions on how anyone dealing with consumers can read them, interpret their buying signals, interpret their all-round mood. So I'm delighted to say that I'm joined now by body language guru, and everyone knows how much I enjoy the word guru, uh, and author Carol Rainton. Carol, are you there? I am. Hello. Thank you so much for sparing us a bit of time today. I imagine you're so in call at the moment. I've been very vague there about what your expertise is, because I always feel it's much better for the expert to explain what it is they do. So could you just give us a quick overview of what it is that you are an expert in? Okay, I'm an expert in business body language, rated number one in the UK and in the top 30 globally. What that means is I help organisations improve their sales through looking at the body language of both their clients and their sales teams. And I work for large organisations like um, BT, stockbrokers, even Travis Perkins, builders, merchants I've worked for. With, with stockbrokers, I'm looking at general managers, MDs, CEOs who give the end of year results. And what the stockbrokers do, they make decisions about where to invest based on what the CEOs say. And my job is to look at the CEO and understand if he's really committed and believes that he's going to make profit in that particular area he's talking about. They obviously asked me to say that he's lying. I can't do that legally. I can say when they're under stress. So there's some of the things I do. And as you said, I've written a couple of books, including The Future of Body Language, which is how to perform on multimedia. 
Well, this is what makes it all so fascinating. I mean, I think this subject is, is so interesting anyway at the best of times. But because of everything that's happened in the last few months, it's brought it so much into focus. And I guess, well, you tell me, has all these sudden new social conventions about distancing, has it thrown a lot of these concepts up into the air or has it really brought home just how important the basics of it are? Well, I'd like to think the second option, that the basics are vital, even more vital than they ever were. I never thought that I'd have a three-page article in Vogue magazine, for instance. Who would have thought Vogue magazine would be interested in this? And that appears this month. So, yes, lots of people are becoming aware. And also it's a good time to train up salespeople when they haven't been able to visit clients and things like that. So, 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 yes, there's a big push on the knowledge in this area that's been floundering for years, as far as I'm concerned. For someone like me, I believe that this should be taught in schools. We teach English, but we don't teach body language, which on a first meeting can be up to 75% of how you take information on. Yes, that's what makes it so fascinating, I think, because so much of it is unspoken. I think maybe part of it is that you get people who've been in a business for a very long time and they think they know their customers, they think they know how to deal with them. Uh, and therefore they they perhaps might not think they need this kind of thing. But what this situation has done is made them totally reevaluate their approach to everything. Indeed, that's right. And they need to do that. We talk about going back to normal. I don't think we'll ever go back to where we were. It's a different world. It's a different environment. It's a different sales scenario now. Okay, so let's start with the obvious one here of social distancing. How has reading someone's language, reading their mood changed because you can't get that close to them or that they are very nervous about entering retail environments? What has changed and what can you do that's different? Okay, so you're you're obviously further away from the person, which means that you probably can't see them blink. So you won't be able to read much from their eyes. You, you would be able to see perhaps raised eyebrows, but you, you wouldn't be able to see their blinking rate, which is important. You might not be able to see if their eyes are turned down or up. I'm going to say if they're wearing a mask, then you won't be able to read their mouth either because um, that's quite a giveaway. You and I are speaking now, so our mouths are moving. So there's a lot of signals come through the mouth, quite a few. I mean, it's where we take in food, where we take in love, where we take in breath. It's vital in our bodies and it represents quite a high level of body language reading um, when you're looking at a face. So you won't be able to see that anymore. So at a distance, you're very much more restricted. And as you alluded to, people are nervous about this situation. So their body is going to be more tense and and probably more covered as well. And when our bodies have got more clothes on, if you think about the winter, we tend to bend over and, and lean into ourselves. And in the summer, we flail our arms around and, and, and just don't care. Well, we're now in the middle of those two, which we have to be careful about, because if you take normal body language readings, you would presuppose things that weren't necessarily true, because the environment, as much as the body language signals, are important. Let's say I'm at home and I've got my feet up on the coffee table, glass of wine in my hand, I've got my arms folded, and I'm watching the television, maybe I'm watching some sport on the TV. That isn't a threatening pose because I'm at home. But if I did that in an office to my PA, feet on the desk, 
glass of wine, arms folded across my chest. That's a, a very insular pose. It's a deflecting other people from you. Yeah. So the, the two different places where I would do that same behavior have different readings. So people not only need to know about the body language signals, but the environment the person's in. Uh, I'm a baby boomer and I've been through the years of wearing very high heeled stilettos in the 80s and my feet really hurting as a result. My body language would have been compromised because of that at that time. So if I'd taken a normal reading, it would be incorrect. And I guess the reverse of that then is not just reading their own nerves, but how you can make them feel more at ease by your own body language. Indeed, that's the biggest part of my work, actually, getting individuals to recognise how they're influencing themselves and others with their own body language and how they can open up the people that they're interacting with. The face mask thing is very interesting, isn't it? Because, it, as you say, it is such an obvious barrier. But we're talking about a retail environment here that is about building very long-term relationships with people. Mm. How can you shorten that distance if there is a face mask involved? What is acceptable, do you think, when it comes to physical contact or intimacy? Okay, in, in a work scenario, as you're talking about, there are two things that I could recommend. The rest would take more in-depth training, if you like. One is you can still look into your client's eyes. And in the old days, people used to say you should look into both eyes. Well, I don't recommend that. And I have amazing successes or I wouldn't be where I am now. I ask people to look into their client's left eye. And the reason for that is the left side of the body is the receiving side of the body. We shake people's hands. We put out our right arm. Yeah. We receive with the left. So if you look into someone's left eye, if you're doing this right and if you're doing everything else right, eventually or quite quickly, they will look into your left eye and this speeds up communication. You know, if you if you want something from your partner and you've tried many times before, my suggestion to you is you do it whilst you're standing up so that both feet are flat on the floor. There's a breathing technique, which we can't do in this time, but you would use that breathing technique and look into their left eye and ask for what you want. And about 75% of the time you'll get it, and which is a far higher ratio than if you didn't have any skills at all to do it. Wow. I mean, that's so. it sounds so simple, but it, and it makes perfect sense as soon as you say it. But of course, you would never even thought of that unless you'd actually told me. Mm. And it takes a pressure off as well, you know, looking because people have got masks on, they're self-conscious. The only time to look someone in both eyes, as far as I'm concerned, is if it's an emergency. You're at top of a mountain and there's a cloud coming down and you need to get down quick. So you, you look who you're, you're minding or leading and you look them in both eyes and tell them what to do. But otherwise, if you want open communication, then you need to be looking into their left eye and you'll know when you're successful when they start doing it to you subconsciously. Yeah, because I, I find these retail environments really fascinating because they're not a shop as such as they are a showroom. And again, you, you obviously you sit with people and make long relationships with them. Desks, sitting behind a desk with a computer and a mouse, the language of that is completely different as well, isn't it? Indeed. I, I mean, I, I know some of your um, salespeople will be designers, salespeople, and they will have a desk in front of them, I would urge them to come out from behind the desk, sit at the side, get the person 
as close as they can to them. It depends what your greatest need is at the time. If you want to influence them, it's preferable you are on their left side. Similar to what we're talking about with the eye there, try and get onto their left side. Doctors know this and lawyers know this, so I teach in both those areas. They're trying to influence you and they they want you to feel fairly relaxed about it. So they will set it up so that they have the authority over you by being slightly on your left side. Again, really fascinating stuff. And one of the other things about this market is you're asking people to make lots and lots and lots of decisions. What worktop you want, what door finishes you want, what handles you like, any of those kind of things. And sometimes when you're showing samples or you're showing images, what they're saying with their body is much more telling about what they really think about it than what they actually might be saying with words. I agree. That's how I, that's how I got into this environment, actually. Uh, I used to work for Xerox in the Middle East. I ran nine countries sales and marketing in the Middle East for Xerox Corp. And I had told my boss in the States that we would get a massive order and could he change the contracts, which was unheard of in Xerox in those days, because, you know, we really could get this head on the block and everything. We didn't get the business. And I knew from the interpreters, I was not being told what was going on. It turned out to be a hierarchical thing. and No way I could have known that beforehand. But nevertheless, that was a pivotal moment in my life. And I knew from the body language that I was not hearing the truth. And that's what got me into this. I'd never wanted to be in a situation where I'd have to tell anybody I hadn't got the order that I'd forecast. And here I am 20 years later. So so it worked. Part of a designer's job, if you're getting a new kitchen, is to really understand what it is that you want to give you the kitchen that you want. And if you're showing a sample of a worktop, and you're asking them if they like it or not, and they might be nodding at you or, or being very uh, non-determinant uh, in their language, but actually w- what signs in their body would be telling you that actually they, they, they clearly don't like it? You said that you were recognising that they didn't like it, even though they said it. I mean, we do take on body language signals without realising. We might sit next to someone on a plane or a train, and we'll hear them sigh. And we know from that side that they're either fed up, late, something is not right in their life at that moment. So we're taking on all those signals anyway. It could be shown several ways. But I think if you look into their left eye and they're looking into your left eye and you have both your feet on the ground when you're talking and you can make sure that they have by doing open body language, you know, not having your hands in front of your chest not having them up in the beginning of a fight position and all that sort of thing your what you'll find is there be more in their body and be more authentic so it's about getting yourself in an authentic position and your client and the way to do that as you mentioned just now is to change your own body language for you to be open and not desperate to get the sale you know to actually be open so trust your instinct of what their mood appears to be rather than necessarily just listening to the words. Yes. I mean, this, this brings us on really to a, a very lockdown version of this, which is how does all this interpret and how does all this switch to online conversations, to Zoom calls, to virtual meetings, if you're literally not sat in the same room as them? What, what's the update on this? Okay, I love this question because it relates to my book. The update is this. 
We are doing things that we would never, never thought we'd do. We wave hello to people on screen. We wave goodbye to them. We don't walk into their offices and do that, do we? We just don't. So the whole behaviour thing has changed. But why we're so tired and why it's so important to do online videos, conference calls, and understand this is because we have more concentration. We're concentrating on a small screen. Our peripheral vision is reduced. We're not able to look out of the window to see what's the other side of their office. We can't see the pictures they might have on the wall, the, the type of pen they use to know if we're going to oversell them by having a, an expensive pen, they haven't got a good pen. All those sorts of things that we normally take into an account when we're dealing with a client, we can't do because we're just generally seeing their face or top half of their body on the screen. And we concentrate about 98% of the time looking at that face and body on the screen. That's why we're so tired after we do so many video calls in a day, you know, because the concentration level is extreme. We don't have to do that anywhere else. We can sit back in the office, cross our legs, uncross our legs. We don't do that when we're on video because we can see ourselves moving. So the the biggest change is obviously the physicality. We're not able to shake their hands when we meet them or bump their elbow. We can't understand what's around them if they're working from home. What is it? What environment are they in? As I said before, the environment is really important. So that's taken away from us as well. It's a much more restrictive way of operating. What principles can still be applied in that environment? And are there any new things that you've noticed or discovered that you've added to your repertoire? The first thing is if you're an extrovert, which I just happen to be, you will be using your body more than anybody else. You know, you you move around more, your arms move around. So the first thing to think about is if you are an extrovert, then you probably want to keep your hands below the screen because our hands are one and a half times, well, our arm, the forearm, one and a half times the size of our head. So if we put our arms up on the screen, we eradicate our heads. The person can't see our face. So I think the first thing is to think of what type of person you are. It's hardest for an extrovert to do a video call because they make more movements, they use their body. So I think it's about holding a little piece of paper in between your two hands underneath your screen is probably the best way to go. If you're an introvert, this is quite a good environment for you because you're not so close to the person, you won't feel so threatened. You will feel the distance in a different way and you could probably move without it affecting the visuals of the other person. So the, the, it's not a standard behavior for, for everyone. You need to understand who you are. If you're a pragmatic, for instance, and you have more pragmatic behaviors, these are the people that say, bottom line, and I see what you mean. They're very fast thinking, and they can get to a decision very quickly. And generally, they don't need a lot of information. They know what they want. So if you're dealing with a pragmatic, You have to, no matter what you are, you're going to have to adapt their type of language, their type of body language, uh, which is being quite fast speaking. As you've heard, I'm speeding up to make the point, really. 
speak faster, be slicker, and don't embellish what you're saying. Just give the facts because they already know what they want. One of the things I've noticed about doing Zoom calls a lot over this period is uh, that you haven't really, and maybe I'm more conscious of it now that I knew I was talking to you, is that you're not looking at the camera. You're looking at the screen, which is below the camera. And so nobody's looking at each other. Yeah, that's, quite, that's really quite interesting. Um, in, I say that you should look at the camera, because, which is generally above the screen. And if you have a big nose, it's definitely what you should do, because if you look down, your, the size of your nose is exaggerated on screen. But yeah, you should be looking at the camera. And in fact, if, you, if you're comfortable doing that, the next thing to do is to look past the camera, because that takes you into a bigger space. So you won't look so scared on screen. You look more relaxed when you look towards the camera, but through it. Does that make sense? You're look- yeah, yeah. You're looking it further out than this short version you've got of the camera on top of your computer. You're looking away. When people see you, you're going to look more relaxed. And you do need to do some breathing or uh, some activities, I believe, before you go on screen so that you are relaxed, so you are comfortable. You know, I'll I'll give you a tip then for that. I do a lot of public speaking. And what I do before, if it's, I did, did, Google have got a massive stage and I did some work for Google. Before I walked on stage, I imagined that I had a heavily jeweled crown on my head. And in order to sustain that crown at the top of my body, You have to stand up straight. You could try it now. Just imagine you have a crown on your head. What happens is your shoulders go back. So you extend the area in your lungs that you've got to collate breath. Your back becomes erect and you become much more relaxed. You become regal. That's what actually happens when you do that. So you can walk on stage or you can walk onto a video conference call imagining you have the crown on your head and you'll be as relaxed as you can be in in a minute without doing anything else and I think that's really useful if you're doing a video call that's great a lot of these things are all about marginal gains aren't they they're all about slightly improving here and there that all add up to a significant gain absolutely right I charge two ways but generally I take a retainer and then I take a fee at the end of the assignment. And I've always said I won't take the fee, part of it, if we don't achieve the objectives. And I've only had one discussion about it, but I still got my fee. So, in fact, I've never, ever not got my fee. I've always got both parts of my payment. Because if I can understand what's going on for the client when I arrive, and what they want to achieve, I can decide how much change there can be and therefore what the objectives are and that I will get my payment. Yeah, and that's what I find so fascinating about it, I think, is that it's quite a high-concept thing, but actually it boils down into lots of tiny little nudges and improvements that are very practical and can really make a difference between getting a sale or not getting a sale. Absolutely right. You know, you can increase the number of people that will buy from you for a start, and then you can increase the number of people who will be influenced by you because sales is really about influence, as is being a director on a board. Um, so a lot, one of the talks I do is called Sexes in the Boardroom, 
and that's about how the male and female influence each other differently and the behaviours are different. And I think that's a big problem with salespeople, that they don't understand the fundamental differences in body language between men and women. I'll just give, give you one. If you think of people who are top of a, their game, CEOs, the Queen, you know, those sorts of people who are high level, they make very few movements. You know, they're, they're, they're regal. They walk around slowly or but without making many movements. Further down the scale, the opposite is true. And here's, here's the horror of it. Women make more moves than men. So even when they've achieved a position of authority, they're not viewed as having had that. If you were to look at people in a room and not hear any sound and, and you decided what level people were, from their body language movements, women would nearly always be seen as a lower level than, than their job was. Wow. Yeah, it is. It's, it's alarming. And how we take on information um, is, is also different. So we have to understand when we're dealing with female clients that they may appear less able to make a decision. We need to bin that and realise that they are a higher level and able to make a decision and start there. I tell you what's fascinating about that, Carol, is obviously in this environment, you're often dealing with the husband and the wife. I mean, I'm being very broad here, yeah. obviously. And what you're saying here is that you're dealing with them as a couple, but you need to sort of act differently to, to each, each of them yeah. In, diff- yeah, in different times. Yes, absolutely. What's great about this is I think a lot of retailers will be listening to this and going, well, yes, I sort of do that, or yes, I sort of knew that, but I didn't really realise that it was quite as in-depth or as involved as, as we're saying that it is, and that's where the marginal gains come from. Yes, that's right. Well, look, Carol, honestly, I could talk about this all day because I find this absolutely fascinating, but time's beaten us, so there is obviously one very important question I need to ask you now, and clearly everyone will judge you on it because that's just, that's just how it is. It's the body language of, of music. I need to know, Carol, what is your deserted kitchen island disc? My deserted kitchen island disc? Um, oh, goodness. Oh, Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. Oh, I'll let you off. What a choice. What a fantastic <laughs> record. Of course, in your case, as long as you're looking in the left eye and it's brown, then that girl's great. And that's me. <laughs> and that's you. Carol, thank you so much for spending so much time with us. I really appreciate it. It is absolutely fascinating. Put all the links through to your website and to your book uh, in the episode description because I really recommend having a look further into this. We've barely scratched the surface of your expertise here. So I will put all those links in there that anyone can go and find you and read your work. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carol. I'll speak to you again soon. Bye. That's it for episode 33. Massive thanks to Carol Rainton for sparing us so much time. Such an interesting area, I'm sure you'll agree. You'll find all the links to her and her work in the episode description. I'll be back next week, so don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Just search KBB Review, all one word. See you next time. 